Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We're kind of winding down our series concerning Romans. And as we wind down, we've seen a lot already. We've seen how the whole world is condemned. The reality is the whole world is going to hell because of its sin. And he makes the point by discussing several different groups of people. He talks about the pagan, the guy that doesn't really is concerned about God. He talks about the moral person who does all the right things. And he talks about everybody in general and says that all of us are going to hell. Because of our sin. But then he talks about the grace of God that was shown. And that God would send his son Jesus to die for us. That that as we trust in him and believe in him, we might be justified. We might be declared righteous, even in spite of ourselves. And about how that through the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us, he gave us a new life to live. And those are the mercies of God. Now, we get to chapter 12, and the key verses for the rest of the time here is in verses 1 and 2. And I want you to just look with me real quick there. Notice what he says. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So because of what Jesus has done for you and I, he wants us to give him ourselves. He wants us. Because he claims ownership of us because he bought us with his own blood. And so he says, I want you to present yourselves to me. A living sacrifice. But then he goes on, as I present myself to him, notice what he says in verse 2. He says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What he's saying is, as you give yourself to him, he doesn't want you to respond to the things of life, whatever life may throw at you, the way the world responds to him. He doesn't want you to live your life like everybody else lives it. He rather wants you to be transformed. And that word, if you are familiar with the word from your high school science, metamorphosis, that's the word which we get transformed from. He wants you to be changed from the inside out. Because that's really what's important. It doesn't matter what you are like on the outside. It's What really matters to God is what you are on the inside. And so he wants you to be transformed from the inside out. How does that transformation take place? By renewing, changing your mind by the Word of God. And so that's what we've been focusing on the last couple of weeks. You know, we talked about transformed service. And about how as you give yourself to God, God wants you now to be transformed in your service as a person who is a part of the church. Today we're going to discuss another area that he wants to be transformed, and it's very important to every one of us. He wants us to be transformed in our relationships. What do you mean relationships, George? He wants your life to be transformed by the Word of God in your interaction with three groups of people. And that's what we're going to look at today. He wants your life to be transformed in your interaction with other Christians, with others in general, and even with your enemies. You mean my enemies? I can handle the first two, George. I don't know if I can handle that last one. 
Well, if you're going to be transformed, if you're giving yourself to God, if you're going to be the person God wants you to be, he wants you to be transformed even in your actions towards your enemies. So I want you to notice with me, we're going to look at verses 9 through 21, and we're going to allow the Word of God to change us. Because I'm sure when we go through a passage like this today, I am sure I am going to step on somebody's toes. Because when we talk about relationships, let's be honest, we're more conformed to how the world acts in relationships than how God wants us to act in our relationships. Notice what he says. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lacking in diligence, fervent in the Spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves. Rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So we're going to look here. What we're going to see is the transformed life needs to be manifested, not just in our service towards each other as believers in the church. It now needs to be manifested in our relationship with each other. Because let's be honest, I want you to think for a moment. Think about the relationships in your life. How are they? You say relationships. Well, it doesn't take long to think about them. Your marriage relationships. You know, I, I've been married now 14 and a half years. As a pastor, you interact with people's lives. And I have an observation to make. It's not profound, but it's accurate. You ever notice that we treat our spouses worse than we treat other people that we come in contact with? There's your marriage relationships. There's your, maybe for parent-child relationships. Again, I've got another profound statement, not reflecting my wisdom because I don't have any. But if you notice that we treat our children worse than we treat others. Your relationships within the church. Your relationships at work. Your relationships with your buddies. We have all kinds of relationships, don't we? And I want you to think for a moment, how are you doing? How are you doing in your relationships? If someone were to have a camera go around and follow you secretly during the day for the next week, what would they find out in your relationships? How would you stand up if all of a sudden it's show and tell week. This week we're going to see the life of right on the big screen. be scary, wouldn't it? Thank goodness we don't do that. huh? But you know what? What's even scarier is there's a living God who sees it all. And can I be honest with you why a lot of people don't want to have anything to do with Jesus, even within our own families, is not because of Jesus. It's because our relationships aren't transformed by Jesus. So let's look at these three areas together. First of all, we're going to look at a transformed relationship towards each other, verses 9 through 13. Notice with me verse 9. Notice what he says. 
pretty powerful, but yet to the point. Let love be without hypocrisy. What's he saying here? Love must be sincere. If I'm going to have a transformed relationship with each other, if we're going to have transformed relationships within this building as Christians towards one another, not even just Christians within this building, but with other believers in other churches in our community, then the issue of love has to be one where love is sincere, not meaningless, not without hypocrisy. Do you know what that means with hypocrisy? A hypocritical love. This best illustrates the Christmas season what hypocritical love is. You say, what do you mean? Well, it's like this. If I've got a gift here and I say, oh, Brad, i got a gift for you, buddy. Here it is. Love you, man. And he's like, oh, thanks, George. Wonderful. What you got for me, Brad? <laughs> See, that's hypocritical love. That's giving love with the expectation of getting something back. In fact, can I be honest with you? It's love for the purpose of getting something. And let's be honest, so much of our relationships, whether they're spousal relationships, whether they are uh, parent-child relationships, whether they are relationships within the church, especially in the church, the way we act, the love we show, more than likely is not sincere, it's because we want something. Because we're selfish. And so the point is, and the point that he's trying to make here, is if I'm going to have a transformed relationship with my relationship with others within the body of Christ, love has to be sincere. It cannot be marked by hypocrisy. It can't be marked by hypocrisy. Do we understand that? So I guess you need to examine yourself. I need to examine myself and say, when I say to somebody and say, oh, hey, love you, do you really mean that? You know, in fact, let me go ahead and put to rest something. I've tried to put to rest this statement before. I wish I could bury it. How many of you have heard someone say, oh, well, I love them in Jesus, but I just can't stand them? That's hypocritical love. That's from the pit of hell. Because that's not love at all. Next thing I want you to see is verse 10. He tells us, you know, here, if you want to know another aspect of hypocrisy, notice that love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. That's what love is. Love does not Surround itself with evil, but with what is good. But notice what it says here, verse 10. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. Here's the next aspect of our transformed relationship towards each other. Show love and affection. Show love and affection towards each other. Show love. You know, we need to be a church that, we need to be a group of people where we're genuinely concerned for each other. How are you doing? I'm concerned for you. Know that I'm praying for you. And listen, I I hope we get to the point where when we say that we're going to pray for each other, that's not like some Christian cliche that easily comes out of our mouths. But when we say, I'm going to pray for you, we mean, I'm going to pray for you. Because that's what it means. Love must be shown through affection towards each other. And notice what he says. Paul even gets right down specific. In honor, giving preference to one another. What does that mean? That as I show love and affection to you, you are more important to me than myself. How anti-cultural is that? We live in an age today where it's me, 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 me. And whatever I want is what's most important. Who cares about anybody else? It's what I want. It's reflected in all of our relationships. What's more important is me. But the Bible stands and puts that whole thinking on hinge and says, look, 
You put the needs, you put the other person above yourself. Boy, what a transformed church we would have if we would put each other before ourselves, would we not? That's what he's saying. Show love and affection towards each other. And then notice verse 11 and 12. Look at what he says there. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in the spirit, serving at the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. What does he say here? Maintain the right attitudes. If I'm going to have a transformed relationship with each other here, if we're going to have transformed relationships with each other, we've got to maintain, work at having the right attitudes. Let me just go ahead and tell you right now. You can't coast in a relationship. You're either going forward or backward. There's no plateaus. Does everybody understand me? That's true for relationships within a church. That's true in marriages. That's true in parent-child relationships. You can't just say, oh, well, I think we'll just take a rest right now. I think we've achieved a level of status that we like in our relationship. And we'll just kind of take it easy here. My friends, you are either going up or backward. And if you're not going forward, you're going backward. Let me tell you something. Some of you in your marriage relationships, the reason why you're having problems is because you're not going forward anymore. You decided to take a break. And what's happening is, is you're going backwards. Some of you in your church relationships, the relationships with each other, as you interact with each other in church or in a grace group or in fellowship with each other or see each other around town, the reason why you're not going forward in that relationship is because you took it for granted and now you're going backwards. Maintain the right attitudes. Maintain them. Notice what the attitudes are. They're pretty simple. Notice what he says here. Not lagging in diligence. Because you're going to be diligent to work on those relationships. Number two, fervent in the Spirit. What in the world does that mean, George? Is that you're going to be trusting in God in your relationships, not in you. Trusting in God in your relationship. Serving the Lord. What does that mean? That the relationship isn't for you. See, so many of the problems in our relationships is that we think it's about me. What am I going to get? What do I want to be? The relationship is you giving to others and you serving God through your relationships. It's not about you. Not about you. Then notice what he says. Rejoicing in hope, marked by joy, patient in tribulation. Let me tell you something. Any relationship is going to go through a rocky road. Church relationships, family relationships, you're going to go through a rocky road. You've got to have a hide of a rhinoceros in your relationships. You've got to have a hide of a rhinoceros. Be patient in tribulation. Because it's going to come. We live in a hard world, I'm telling you. Stuff will happen. Be patient. Then notice what else it says. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. You know what? You need to be praying over your relationships. You need to be praying for the people in your relationships. So maintain the right attitudes. And then notice verse 13. Another final aspect. If we're going to be transformed in our relationships towards each other. Look at what he says in verse 13. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Given to hospitality. Here's what he says. Meet the needs of others. Meet the needs of others. Look, in this room right here, and I have a better picture because I interact in people's lives throughout, throughout the week and everything. I kind of get an idea what the needs are. I hear the needs are. And I see what the needs are. And as I see the needs, I know there are needs. And you may be sitting here saying, oh, well, man, George, hurry up. Thirteen more minutes. Got to get home. Got to get ready to go to the camp or whatever. Or I got to get ready for him to go to the camp. You know, and so I got a, a break or whatever. But, and that's all you're thinking about is right now. When's he going to get through this message? Because I've got stuff I've got to do today. But right around you, all around you are people with needs. Needs. And a transformed relationship. 
A transformed life is going to look around it and begin to distribute to the needs of the saints. Who are the saints? Christians. And you're going to be given to hospitality. Given to hospitality. But can I tell you why we don't do that kind of stuff? Because we're thinking, man, if I give it to him, what am I going to have for myself? Can I remind you? You're not even guaranteed next week. You're not guaranteed anything. And the God who gives will give to you as you give to others. And transform relationships says, look, you have a need. I have the way to meet that need. I'm going to meet your need. And you may do it quietly. You may do it secretly. You may do it openly. But there are needs around you. And a transformed relationship with regards to each other as believers meets the needs of the saints. Meets the needs of the saints. Then he goes on now. He talks about another area, and that is towards others in general. Look with me at verse 14 through 16. Verse 14 specifically. If I'm going to have transformed relationships with others in general, here's three things that we need to recognize if we're going to interact with others, and especially those who don't know Jesus. Notice what he says. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Here's what he says. Refuse to retaliate. Refuse to retaliate. Now, we've talked about transformed relationships within the body of Christ. Now we're going to talk about transformed relationships with regards to everyone else around us. In our world, our society, people that you interact with on a daily basis. They may be family. They may be people that you work with. They may be your neighbor. And the point that Paul makes, first of all, to you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, as we give ourselves to Him, as we are transformed by His Word, is that if you're going to have a transformed relationship, you've got to do the opposite of what the culture says. You've got to refuse to retaliate, because is that not what the culture says to do? Somebody strikes at you, you strike them back harder. Vengeance. Retaliate. It's a dog-eat-dog world. You need to do what you've got to do to survive. That's our culture. Somebody hurts you, you hurt them back. But that's not the message of Jesus. Jesus says, if they strike you on the cheek, you give them the other cheek. You refuse to retaliate against them. You refuse. You don't curse them. You refuse to retaliate. In fact, he goes on in verse 15 and tells us something else here. And again, notice something. All of these things that we're going to talk about is comes not from a selfish heart, but from a God-centered heart. Because when you're selfish... I'm going to be honest with you, when you're selfish, you're going to want to retaliate. You're going to want to do what you can to get back at that person. I'm going to tell you something, when you're marked by that kind of attitude, you need to start questioning your relationship with God because it's not right. Because a Christ-centered heart refuses to retaliate. Here's what a Christ-centered heart does. Notice what verse 15, notice what he says there. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Here's the next thing. The next thing that you need to see as we have transformed relationships with each other is is that we empathize with others. You know, we live in a pretty selfish world. Here's how selfish it is. You can walk in a room with people and they may be there and they're devastated by some news. Maybe they've been told they got a health issue they got to deal with in their family. Maybe they've been told that they just got this huge bill that's come. Maybe it's grieving a loved one who's lost and who's died. But we live in such a selfish world that someone could walk in there and be oblivious to all of that that's going on and all they think about is, man, when can I get out of here? I've got stuff I need to do today. I don't have time for this. In fact, I know Christians who pray things like this. They'll say, Lord, I don't have time for this today. That's a self-centered life. 
A transformed life empathizes with the people that it deals with. And so when they come to someone who's weeping, they weep with that person. They grieve with that person. When they come to someone who's rejoicing, they rejoice with that person. See, a selfish person is focused totally on self. But if you're going to be the person that God wants you to be and have a transformed life, your relationships are going to be transformed because you're not going to be focused on you. You're going to be focused on them. And let's be honest. Let's be honest. We're pretty selfish. And you know what? We must be deceived. So what are you talking about, George? We got this concept that I'm just focusing on myself. Nobody knows it, but I'm in here. Nobody knows. But you know, we can read each other like books, can't we? And we can tell when somebody's just giving us lip service. And we can tell when they're just doing the thing for us because that's what they got to do. And you know what? We don't like it, do we? And we can tell genuine, sincere love when somebody's there and they truly do weep with us. And they truly do what? Rejoice with us. See, we're deceived. We think nobody else sees it. But the fact of the matter is everybody else sees it because they're just like it too. We're all pretty selfish. And God calls us to something else. He calls us to relationships that are transformed by the Word of God. Here's the other point. Look at verse 16. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Here's what he's saying. Humility brings harmony. Humility brings harmony. Again, talking about that whole self-centered focus. When you're self-centered, everything rises and falls on you. And listen, you know, I've been, I've been a Christian now for over 20 years. I've been in several churches. I've pastored this church for six and a half now. And as I've interacted with people, and as you have, those of you who have been around a lot, sometimes we think that churches, churches rise and fall and relationships rise and fall on who? People. And so sometimes you may even think of yourself so much that you say, well, you know, if I'm not there, they just can't worship. If I'm not there, they just might as well not even have church today. If I'm not at the reunion, they might as well just hang it up because the family might as well not even gather because everybody knows I'm the center of the family. If I don't show up to work, the company might as well shut down that day. You're all laughing. We know how silly that is, but isn't that the attitudes we get? Because we start to think too highly of ourselves. And where does that highly th- high-minded thinking come from? It comes from ourself, comes from our pride. And what does Paul call us to? Paul tells us that if we're going to be transformed in our relationships, what? We need to be humble people. And when we have humility, there's harmony. In fact, can I tell you this verse is the key to unity in the church? What do you think this church would be like if we had a bunch of high-minded people sitting here, each thinking too highly of themselves? What kind of church do you think we'd have? Anybody? Would it be a harmonious church? I'll tell you what it would be. It would be a fussing and fighting church. Because my way or the highway. Harmony comes. Harmony comes because of humility. And then the final section is verse 17 through 21. I think is going to be the most difficult section for us. You and I can understand about being transformed in our relationships towards each other as believers. And we can kind of grasp about being transformed in our relationship towards others in general. But this last one, that's just a hard pill to swallow. He's calling us to be transformed in our relationships with our enemies. And you know, the longer you live, the chances are you'll have somebody who's your enemy. The chances are you'll have somebody who's done you wrong. The chances are you'll have someone who doesn't care for you. 
And I want you to notice what the Apostle Paul tells us here. Look at all, first of all, verse 17 through 18, he says this. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much depends on you, live peaceably with all men. First thing I want you to see that Paul tells us if we're going to transform our relationships, even with our enemies, he says, do not seek vengeance. Do not seek vengeance. Don't even pursue it because it will change you. You know what? If we're going to be transformed in our relationships, even towards our enemies, we got to give up the right for vengeance. we got to give it up. we got to give up the right to retaliate against others, especially those who have hurt us. you got to give them up. So that's the first thing he says. Next thing, look at verse 19. He tells you another point here with regards to your enemies. He says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Here's the next point. Commit the offense to the great judge. Because I know what you're saying. You're saying, okay, George, you don't want me to take vengeance, but what am I going to do? The hurt's too great. I've got to retaliate. No, you don't. You give it to the God of the universe who will hold all things in judgment, who will set forth all things in right. Commit it to Him. Commit it to Him. Because if you take it, If you decide that you're going to have vengeance, if you're going to have retribution, it's going to destroy you. It's going to destroy you. Listen, some of you here today, you are retaliating against someone in your life. Can I be honest with you? All you're doing is bringing shame to yourself. All you're doing is bringing shame. Leave it to the judge. Leave it to the judge. And then notice verse 20 and 21. Final point I want you to see here is this. Respond to your enemies with love. Respond to your enemies with love. You say, George, but you don't know what they did to me. You're right, I don't. But you know what? It doesn't really matter. If you leave it in the hands of the great judge, then you can respond to them with love. And notice what the passage says, that when you do this, notice, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing this, you heap coals of fire on his head. The illustration there is that you bring shame upon that individual later. Because when they stand before the great judge and they have to give an account for their life, they have to give an account that they remain your enemy while you did good to them. You say, okay, George, what do I need to do? We've got my relationships I'm looking at. Two things I want you to consider. Number one, are your relationships marked by selfishness? Look at them. Are your relationships marked by selfishness? Are you selfish in your relationship? Think about it for a moment. Think about your marriage relationships. Think about your parent-child relationships. Maybe you're a child or maybe you're a parent. Maybe a grandparent. Are you marked by selfishness? Think about your relationships with others within the church. Is it all about you? Or at work? Or in your neighborhood? Or with your extended family? You need to understand that answer if you're going to be transformed. Because if they are, you need to go to God and you need to say to them, Lord, forgive me, I've been selfish. And then number two, allow your relationships to be transformed. Allow them. Allow the Word of God to come in your life and follow the Word of God and allow those relationships that you have with others to be transformed because you become the person that God wants you to be. And you and I need to be the right people in our relationships. 
allow your relationships to be transformed. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.